1: I am your running host, Dean Thompson. Today, along with Run for God founder Mitchell Hollis, we have nationally ranked triathlete Lane Hollis. Is there any relation there? Possibly. <laughs> so,
2: sometimes I admit to it, sometimes I don't. It depends on what he's up
1: to, right? Exactly. Absolutely. So today's show is going to be a little different than usual. Uh, we we have a, a story from a Run for God supporter that is very long. And so we've broken that story up into sections this time. And so that it's uh, – there aren't going to be any Dean's thoughts. So um, – that's probably a good thing. That's i think Does that mean you have no thoughts this week? Or I, maybe that's it. You're I, always full of thoughts. I am full of thoughts. <laughs> I, I've been told I'm full of something. <laughs> anyway. Uh, but no Dean's thoughts means more of Lane, Lane Hollis, and you guys would much rather hear from him than you would me. So um, we're going to talk about triathlon, racing. We're going to find out what a teenager thinks about spiritual matters, and I think that's exciting, and I think you'll be pleased with what you hear. So – Mitchell, what's it like having an athlete in the house that's known all across the country?
2: Well, I don't, I don't know that I ever think about it. Um, yeah, I mean, sometimes we have to to let reality sink in because of the magnitude of some of these races that we go to. Uh, but Lane, Lane's a he's a good guy, and he he's he's never let that go to his head. We've always tried to make sure that doesn't happen, but that's just who he is. And uh, yeah, it's it's um it's pretty cool.
1: It's exciting to see him be up there near the front of those races, too, and to, to watch any anybody perform at a high level is a lot of fun to watch, anybody that you're rooting for, but it's just extra special when it's your flesh and blood. It is. Yeah, it sure <laughs> is. So, Lane, how does it feel to know that there are guys in Indiana and all across the country that are going, man, i got to figure out how I can beat that Lane Hollis guy?
0: It feels great. It really does. <laughs> um, it feels like a big family, in a way. Um, You always feel like you're at home when you go to different places. Um, But then there's still the competitor inside of everyone that, you know, when the race starts, it's time to go. But it feels really good. Yeah, Yeah.
2: Dean, I think that's one of the things that I think about when Lane said that, is when we go to these races, it's it's the top guys and girls in the country at all these races we go to, but nobody really thinks about that. Nobody... We get there and it's all a family. All the parents know each other. All the athletes know each other. You know they're all great friends. Um, you know there's not a lot of drama in the sport of triathlon. We were actually talking about this the other night. And so many other sports, there's seems like there's a lot of drama. Yeah. Uh, but in the triathlon world, there doesn't seem to be that much. So it's it's like a big family. Anytime we we yeah. travel to go to these races.
1: Yeah, but make make no mistake. There's a few guys out there who're trying to figure out. All right what is it going to take for me to beat lane hollis oh you better believe it yeah. they're
2: they're buddies off the race course but they they step up to that starting line and i think it's uh
1: it's fierce and that's what i you know and i've noticed that because i've gone to a lot of these races and i see these guys hanging around they're cooling down together <laughs> afterwards and they it's and i see it because i when i'm on the racing scene as well just road racing right. um it's the same way you know i'll battle for for you know 35 minutes in a 10k with a guy and we're going shoulder to shoulder and it's all we got and we're trying to beat each other's brains in but after we're done it's you know what's going on in life. you're high-fiving each other absolutely yeah. Yeah, yeah it's a lot of fun so why do you think triathlon is your sport i mean what makes triathlon the thing that you're good at or that you enjoy i think it i mean everyone has you know a
0: sport or a thing a job that uh clicks With them and used to for me it was baseball but um, you know basketball and football never really clicked for me and I was very young when I got into triathlons but it didn't really click until I was 13 or 14 and so I think just the the uh, training the constant training and doing it for so long I've grown to love it more
1: and more yeah did you know that i was a baseball player i did and at one time i had to choose between baseball and track and And. i chose track and it's changed my whole life so uh worked out pretty good for you yeah it worked out pretty good so uh but i will say um i was now i wasn't a great hitter i was an okay hitter but i was a center fielder and nothing touched the ground now, I don't like to brag a whole lot, but when it comes to playing center field, I was pretty good. Sounds there. like he's bragging.
0: I was shortstop and center field. Yeah.
1: Um, yeah. It's
0: a lot of fun out an there, isn't it? hitter.
1: Yeah. Isn't it, was. it great when you see one hit that you're wondering if you can get yeah. to? Oh, I love that. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um, so, Mitchell, what do you think that triathlon has taught Lane to make him better at life in general?
2: Well, I think endurance sports in general. Um, I can tell you what I think it's taught Lane it's, it's taught him the the value of a work ethic it's taught mm-hmm. him to, to work hard to persevere to get up when you don't want to get up um, to get back up when you've been knocked down you know Lane, Lane the sport of triathlon for Lane he's never he's never been right on top he's never been ranked number one in the nation right now he's ranked number two in the nation and I think that is that is a good thing mm-hmm. you know I've I've known some athletes who had very early, uh, extremely successful triathlon careers as a, at a very young age, and it—I almost look at it and I think it was a bad thing um, yeah. because they had too much success too early. Lane has constantly come up through the ranks through the years, and and I say he's he's done it the hard way, but he's here nonetheless, and I think he's he's peaking at just the right time. And um, but yeah, the we always tell, you and I both tell the triathlon team that the the lessons you learn from this sport are going to transcend every area of your life. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter if it's your career. It doesn't matter if it's your walk with Christ. You know, that's why that's why Run for God works. Right. It's because the values that we learn in getting up each day to get out there and go for a run, running even when it hurts, running when even when it's not popular, we still do it. And it's the same way with our walk with Christ. You know, we have to get up and open that Bible every morning. You know, we've talked about that several times. And we don't always want to. It's yeah. not always what we feel like doing. Uh, but we're called to do it. And so when we do it, we, I, I have never shut the Bible and said, Man, I wish I wouldn't have done that. I should have been doing <laughs> something else. Uh it's always worth it in the end. And I think yeah. I think triathlon and the sport of running in general, um, uh, teaches you those lessons and it's a great parallel to our walk with christ
1: yeah yeah so lane how hard is it to get up at 5 a.m or earlier to be at swim practice at 5 a.m before you have to go to school that's got to be hard it is hard it is hard
0: i will say though after years of training there's some mornings where i get up and i feel like it's nine o'clock in the morning i mean i can just get out of bed but there's some mornings Where I feel like I never even went to sleep. And I just lay in my bed until
1: like the last minute that I have to get ready. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're still a teenager, regardless. Yeah, so, <laughs> Listen, if you have questions, if you, want, if you want to ask Lane a question, or if you've got questions about Run for God in general, you have questions about our podcast, if you've got subjects that you'd like for us to cover, whatever it is, you can send messages to dean at runforgod.com. Um, if you don't know about Run for God and you happened upon this, this podcast, go out there and check out runforgod.com and learn more about what we're about. As always, we are proud to be sponsored by the world's greatest digital music platform. And we're going to talk about that platform a little bit more next week. So stay tuned for that. But our our sponsor is J Radio. You know that moment when you're running and you settle into that
2: perfect pace? And then the next song comes on. Let that happen again. With the new J Radio, you can trust us to make sure that the next song in your playlist will help you keep up that pace. Check out the Radio Active station on J Radio for all different genres of workout music handpicked for you while you run. Start listening now at JRadio.com.
1: All right, so for everybody listening, Lane, tell them what your 5K PR is. My 5K PR is 1549. Can y'all imagine that? 1549? Um, so, some folks that are listening, I'm sure, have just passed their first mile at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's okay, uh, but that's uh, that's that's pretty quick. So let me ask you this. What do you think is the toughest workout you have ever done?
0: The toughest workout I have ever done is i'm gonna to have to put it into context there are two different types of fast running that we do um for like run for god uh run workouts um, where i'm at and one is called repetition pace and what repetition pace is is it's the pace that you are running your one mile all out at everything you can do mm-hmm And probably the hardest workout I've ever done is I had to do eight 600s. So that's a lap and a half around a normal track. Eight 600s at that pace. Needless to say, I did not hit that workout. (laughs) Had I had hit it, it would have been probably the most successful run workout I've ever done. I think he's saying he crashed and burned.
1: I think occasionally. There, there, may be. It may be that occasionally your coaches try to figure out how they can push you past that point where you're kind of broken, and uh, that might have been one of those days. We well, don't, don't ever do that, do we? Sure. They um. absolutely do. <laughs> <laughs> so how do you get through those tough workouts?
0: Well, you know, it's hard to – sometimes it's hard to say, you know, just like – you know, I don't listen to music when i'm running hard because that honestly distracts me Mm -hmm. um there's a there's another workout that i do it's 15 by one lap around the track and those workouts the way i get through them is i'm only running for about 70 seconds and i think about i like to think about people who are doing things much harder than i am um i've always looked up to navy seals
1: Mm -hmm.
0: 70 seconds 15 by 70 seconds just doesn't when seem like that it, much yeah, when you put in it that context, way. Yeah, context. When you think about Navy SEALs, that is so that is so doable into
1: that's, context what they do. So well, that's interesting. That's a, and that's a good way to do it. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, we've talked about the marathon before. You and I, kind of just on a long run, just yeah. talking about things in general. And we, one day, I remember the marathon came up. And, you know, your dad is famous for saying not too long ago on this very podcast that he favored the longer, slower stuff because he didn't like to hurt that bad like it it does in that shorter stuff. Um, But you have a little bit different take on on the marathon specifically. So what do you think about the marathon and and maybe the people who run it? The marathon and the people who run it. You know, obviously, I've never ran a marathon. The longest I've ever ran
0: is a half marathon. Right, um, and that's probably the longest I'll run for. I mean, a while. And so, a marathon. It honestly kind of seemed intimidating to me. If I were to go out and try to do good in a marathon, it is kind of honestly kind of intimidating. So, people who can do that, I have a lot of respect for. No matter how fast they can do it. Um, but me personally, I like, I like the adrenaline of that short, you know, less than an hour type stuff. Um, I like. I mean, it sounds very weird to say, and I don't like excruciating pain. But in this sense, I kind of do that pain for like under an hour. Um,
1: I don't know. I, I get it. I get it because I'm I'm right there with you. I prefer the shorter, faster stuff myself. Um, even at my age, I still prefer prefer the shorter, faster things. I like yeah. 10k and under. I've run some marathons and half marathons and other things, but I just prefer. The, because it's, I think you you hit the nail on the head I love the adrenaline there's an adrenaline that you don't get in the long stuff that you yeah. do get in that short stuff and I think that's cool to feel that Um, So listen We want to hear Your story We're going to share A story here uh, But you Have a story as well We talk about that All the time Don't forget We would love to hear Your story And you can send that To us So please You can go to Runforgod.com And go to the Devotions tab And you can submit Your story there Or you can send A story directly to me Whichever way You want to do it we, we need to hear your story so that we can share it with other folks, because whatever your story is may be just what somebody else needs to hear. So as I said, we've got a story today that's long, and we're going to tell it in three pieces. So we're going to stop in the middle of the story and take a break, and then we'll we'll finish it. We'll, we'll continue it after that. So it comes from somebody from Hoptakong, New Jersey, and the lady's name is Tracy Hetty. It's a longtime Run for God supporter. Um, But you're going to hear that her Run for God journey is a little bit different maybe than Mm. than a lot of folks. So it is entitled, I Quit Run for God. I spent most of my adult life weighing between 225 and 240 pounds. Then in 2012, I quit smoking, and over the next five years, I gained 100 pounds, weighing 332 at my heaviest. During those years, I started and quit the Run for God program more than once. I always had an excuse. I can't even remember the order that I used them as excuses, but I remember them all. My husband and I started together, but then he was injured. Well, I couldn't go on without him. The group started on their runs in the church parking lot, but as the runs got longer, they began to do the Bible study at church and then go to a nearby park to run. But I had commitments at the church, so it was too much to come here, then leave, then go back. You know, the park was so far away. (laughs) It was five miles. Then another time, a couple of weeks in, I had to go on a business trip out of the country and I had to miss a couple of weeks. While I was gone, I was stuck in a hotel without a car, which meant eating a lot of meals in the hotel restaurant. During one dinner, I posted pictures of my dinner and dessert. A short time later, I got a message from someone about the food I was eating. The message was sent out of concern for my health and the person knowing my struggle with weight and trying to get active. But to me... It meant that people were watching and judging me. It gave me the perfect excuse to quit the program again. My life and choices were no one else's business. We can find a way to justify every decision we make. Maybe if I had stopped making excuses, I wouldn't have ended up where I did, which was on an operating table getting bariatric surgery because my weight was so out of control it was crippling. It hurt just to walk. So after some leading from the Lord, I had a sleeve gastrectomy in April of 2018. Once I lost some of the weight, I began doing aerobics and continued exercising throughout the summer, but I started thinking about the Run for God program. I knew the church still did it, but I didn't know when, so I asked Dave Hickey, who had started the program at the church, and he said there wasn't a class scheduled at that time, but I could do the program on my own. Yeah, right. I couldn't complete the program with a group. There was no way I could do it on my own. In September 2018, I went to the New Jersey Run for the Fallen in memory of a friend's son who was killed in Afghanistan. As I watched my friend run, all I could think was, I want to do that. I want to run next year, not just watch and support her from the side of the road. I went home and pulled out my old Run for God book. My husband bought me a cheap, used treadmill on Facebook, and I started training. I was slow, but I was doing it. Then at the end of October, I had a minor dermatological procedure, but there were major complications. I was out of commission for six weeks. Depression hit me hard, and it took a few weeks of stumbling before I got myself together and began eating healthy again. I found a 5K online, registered, and posted about it on Facebook. Now, I had to train. Then my friend Joanne reached out and asked if I minded some company. She made it sound like I was doing her a favor, but I know she was doing it for me. I ran my first 5K on February 9, 2019 in frigid temperatures. A couple of months later... I did the fight for air climb, climbing the 1,210 steps of 1 Penn Plaza, New York City. Then I had a crazy idea that I could do a 10K and registered for the Revit Up 10K on less than a month later. Once again, a friend stepped in and said, Hey, I'll run that with you. Dawn and I ran in the rain up a massive hill in Sparta, coming in last, followed closely by the police. But we finished. I went on to complete, complete a couple more 5Ks in June and continued to run on my own over the summer. I ran each race a minute faster than the last. Still slow, but getting faster. Then in September 2019, I ran the New Jersey Run for the Falling in memory of my friend's son. While this was not a race, it was a reason I started, to run, started running and remains one of the most powerful moments in my running journey to date. In the fall of 2019, I finally completed the Run for God program with my church family and had the chance to run the graduation race with the class. After thinking about running a half marathon, my friend Joanne suggested I do the Shades of Death half marathon. I started the training program just 12 weeks before the date of the race. The race didn't go as planned. It was a double loop. Most of our Run for God crew was running the shorter race, which was only one loop. The shorter race started after the half marathon and was a, it was a little while later they began to catch and pass me. I did pretty good that first loop, but I was going too fast trying to keep up with everyone and I was hurting. At the end of the first loop, there were crowds of cheering people who were there for the finish of the shorter race. My, my family was there at my invitation, cheering and yelling along with tons of other people. It was like a big party. However, my race wasn't over. I had another lap to go. When the other runners went straight to the, across the finish line, I turned right for my second loop. A couple of miles down the road, I suddenly realized that I was all alone, completely alone. Since they had closed the roads for the race, there were no people, no cars, and since I was so far behind, no other runners. Just me in the cornfields and pumpkin patches. Suddenly, my insecurities came crashing in on me. I'd never felt so alone in all my life. I stopped running and started crying. I considered just walking back, but I didn't want anyone to think I was cheating, so I started walking toward the end. It was the longest five miles of my life. I walked, cried, and texted my husband the entire rest of the race. I was over the time limit for the half, so they took down all the race markers i came to a stop sign had no idea which way to go i started to panic i texted my husband steve and told him i was lost and didn't know where to go he was tracking me through my garment so he told me to turn right and soon i saw my family and they were all waiting for me i freaked out i was so embarrassed i felt so bad about everything at that point but i kept walking i was slowing down i was in so much pain my son-in-law started walking back from the finish line and walked me in that last mile as soon as she could see me joanne came back to walk in with me too i barely made it over the finish line i hated that race and swore i would never run another half marathon again it took me three hours and 20 minutes so technically i should have had a dnf did not finish but joanne had stepped in and told the woman my story she kept the timer up just for me while sharing my story joanne shared god's story and the woman said so she's not alone out there then it was such a bad place mentally that even knowing that my delay allowed someone to hear about god didn't stop me from feeling like i had failed we'll pick that story back up from there and we'll talk a little bit about Runcations. If you've never had a Runcation, it's, it's a pretty cool concept. So, uh, But right now, let's go to Come On, Let's Go. If you don't know about the Big Share app, uh, check out the Big Share app. It's another great place to share your story. So first share your story with us through Run for God, and then share your story with the Big Share app. There is power in people's stories. It's a challenging time. What do you do when everything you believe
0: about God is being tested and God doesn't look like the good father that he says he does?
1: You've got layers and layers and layers of hate
2: in your heart. It it takes God to clean it out.
1: Your story can help encourage others around the country, just like these stories have. You can walk through a simple process of sharing your story with the Big Share app. Download the Big Share app in your app store to start sharing hope with others. all right so we're back so lane people probably want to know what does a a guy who's a senior in high going into being a senior in high school um who travels all across the country running these crazy triathlons um who trains 70 78 hours a week something like that maybe it's a little bit less than that uh (laughs) a lot a lot of so what's your favorite bible story my favorite Bible story, I
0: feel like it's odd. I feel like I'm not in the same boat as most people. Even my parents were like, what? When I told them my favorite bi- Bible story. My favorite Bible story is the story of Job. That um, is different. It is different. But why is it your favorite? It's my favorite for a few reasons. I, I guess I, I really enjoy hearing the, the amount of endurance and the amount of faith that Job had. To go through all that he went through, and you know, a while ago I was talking about, you know, what helps you get through workouts, and I was talking about Navy SEALs. Job is also another one. Very, very few people have gone through what Job has gone through, and to see that he still was faithful and never cursed God in all that he did, um, that's pretty impressive. And so, uh, that's... that's that's the main reason why i love that story
1: it Um, takes a lot of mental fortitude to continue on and and you're right it is it's very similar to any endurance training whether it's just running or it's triathlon or anything else um yeah trying to to realize that the the negative thing that happens right now isn't necessarily a reflection on the overall picture yeah in the end because in the end there's there's a positivity there so I, I know my my favorite verse is is from Joshua one nine, and the the part I love the most about Joshua one nine is the fact where he says, "Have I not commanded you?" And he's saying it because he's already said it several times before that, and because that's what my brain needs. It needs something to be pounded in there over and over again. Um, so I know uh, we talked about this, that you have a favorite verse. Yes. And again, it's from that same story, right? It is. So which it verse is. is that? It's Job one eight. I think, and it, sa- it says, Then the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? There is no one on earth like him. He is blameless and upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil. So what? Yes. what is it about that verse?
0: It's It's kind of the origin of the story, you know, the devil – is roaming earth and Job is the one guy in God's filing cabinet where he can just pick out and say, this this is my guy that he's a pretty good dude. <laughs> and he can say, you know, devil, you can try, but you will not break my servant Job. And so that's kind of, I mean, that's kind of how you have to be in workouts too. You have to trust in the Lord that, you know, you're not going to be broken. And so... Uh, no matter how favorite. hard Dean and Mitchell try, yeah, no matter how hard you know these two coaches over here try <laughs> uh, so, uh,
1: that's, that's 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 a great perspective it's a great it is a great perspective because really and truly we should all want to be we should all want God to look at us that way, shouldn't we yeah that yeah. that I know I can count on Mitchell, I know I can count on Lane, I know I can count on Dean to be that rock that I expect them to be as Christians, but is it yeah.
2: bad to say that <laughs> I hope God doesn't say, have you considered my servant Mitchell? <laughs> I hope I never hear those words. Cause, but on one one hand, I, I don't want to hear that. But on the other hand, man, what an honor. You know, it, it's it's kind of a yeah, – I don't you know, know what you call that, but it's it's it had to be a – I mean, I'm sure Job's in heaven now going, you know, good one, God. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> you know, but – uh.
1: Yeah, it, it's, it's interesting. It is it, – it, it's an interesting thought because a lot of times we do find ourselves on hard times mm-hmm. and we find ourselves complaining about the hard times instead of realizing that I, I don't know that God's using us like he is Job, but but God may be using that situation.
2: You, you know, I, I, and this just hit me, um, when we decided to put the gospel in the 5K challenge, you know, when we first wrote the program, it did not have the gospel in it. It was more of a discipleship program. And after hearing how many people were coming to Christ through the program, we decided to put the gospel in it very boldly. And we started doing the Who Do You Say That I Am campaigns and the God Loves You campaigns. And I'll never forget Mark Yoho, who we've talked about several times on here. He said, once you put the gospel in this program, be ready for the attacks. And boy, have we had the attacks ever since we put that in. And so I guess that's kind of a picture that the more we stand up and and shine a light on God's word and that everybody that we come in contact with needs Jesus, the more we proclaim that, the more we are going to be attacked. So I guess Job is kind of the extreme example of that, that he, he was God's guy.
1: Yeah, you know, I, I, I never thought about this analogy before. I may have to write something about this, but it's like – have you ever went out and caught fireflies? Yeah. How easy are they to catch? Pretty easy. They're pretty easy because you can target them pretty easy, can't right. you? Because they're the only thing shining. They're the shining. light. They're yeah. The light. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, when you're the yeah, one you've shining. you've
2: got to write about that, Dan. That's, <laughs> that's a sermon right there. Uh,
1: when you're the one shining, you, you've got to target. Yeah. So, um, I You know, I, I talk about Bible stories. Mitchell, do you have a favorite Bible story? You know, I'm a, I am love anything about Paul. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Um, and, and I guess the I saw your notes this morning and I jotted this down. That my, my favorite verse for this time in my life and I think this time in our country and our world is Philippians 4, 6 through 7. It says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Basically, Paul was telling us how we need to act in these times. Yeah. And, and and specifically in the times we're in right now, um, we we have to make our requests be known to God, but we have to do it with the right heart. And and Paul says, he tells us how to pray that with thanksgiving. It it's you don't need to go to God every day and say, I need, I need, I need, I need. I, I try to start every one of my prayers with thanks. Yeah. And Thank you, God, for who you are. Thank you, God, for what you've done in my life, and then I get around to my needs. But I mean, I don't, you know, the the Lord's prayer is a model prayer, but Paul is kind of reiterating here. You, you start with thanksgiving. Yeah. Um. It's like you you don't walk into somebody's house and say, I need you to feed me. You, you, <laughs> you walk into somebody's house and you say, Thank you for having me. Yeah. For that dinner, Absolutely. and so it's just a model prayer, and I think, I think more than ever, we we need this model
1: yeah yeah I think you're right yeah Yeah. in this day and time there's a a lot of tension in the air yeah and uh, that tension can be completely deflated Mm -hmm. um, if we all live by that those two verses so yeah you know I like Samson and I think I like Samson because Samson's a bonehead (laughs) He's just a moron, and uh, but God can use him anyway. And sometimes I look at myself the same way. Like we're I'll some, all like that. I just do some stupid things. I, I, I say some dumb things. I forget. That I just feel like Samson sometimes. Yeah. Um, but I, you know, it's good to know Samson was was, was there anyway. So uh, I don't know. Maybe there's hope for me. Um, but I also like the story of Gideon. I love the whole story where he's, he's challenged to pare back the number of fighters. And so he has to give God credit for it. Mm-hmm. And I, I love that story and the, the thought of that story. Let's get back to Tracy's story. I run with another running club, Charge. It's live coaching, but it's an app. So I run virtually with a group of people from all over the world they decided to plan a runcation around the donna it's a big whole weekend with a running expo 5k half marathon half marathon relay and a full marathon on sunday plus a 110 mile ultra marathon anyone who is interested in planning to meet in jacksonville florida where the race took place uh, it it's a big breast cancer fundraiser because a lot of survivors participate it's walker friendly They allow four and a half hours for the half and seven hours for the full. I decided I was going to go so I could finish a half successfully. As I trained, I decided finishing time didn't matter. I just wanted to finish joyfully. That was my new goal. I just wasn't sure what that looked like. I had also made a commitment to finish 12 5Ks in 12 months in 2020. It would be my way to stay motivated. I ran my first race of 2020, it was New Year's Day. After posting about that first race on Facebook, to my surprise, there were almost 20 of us in Run For God shirts on race day. It was amazing. It was the first time I was asked about my shirt and had a chance to share. As a matter of fact, almost every one of us had a chance to share about God at that race. Then I actually had a reporter ask me questions and I had a chance to share about God and the Run and the Run program with the media. I was so nervous and the article didn't turn out as well as I had hoped, but Run for God was there in print. Up to this point, every race I ran was a little faster than the last, but a friend shared that they would be doing some walking during the race and I felt prompted to join them. So I did. Even though I was a little slower, I loved this race. I felt good about it. It made me think about what success meant to me in terms of running. The next race was the Penguin race in February. I had trouble finding a race that worked with my schedule, and I was sure I would be alone at this one. But surprisingly, five other rock stars joined me. A little way into the race, I passed an older gentleman who was really breathing hard. As I passed, he said, you're going to beat a man who will be 91 next month. For the next little while, we stayed pretty close to each other. I found out he ran his first race at age 74. Hmm. At about halfway through, I noticed a woman who was running and walking alternately. She would pass me, and then I would pass her. She was slowing down, so I started to move out ahead of her when I clearly heard the Lord speak to me. He said, why are you here? I almost stopped in my tracks. It really made me think about why I was running that race. So I slowed and started talking to Linda. I ran the rest of the race with her and eventually another runner, Ralph, joined us. I shared a little bit about Run For God, but mostly I listened to their stories. Ralph had lost his business last summer and started spending his time drinking and watching TV. He finally realized that he was gonna die if he didn't make some changes in his life. So, he started running. Now, he watches what he eats, exercises regularly, has lost some weight, and feels much better about his future. This was Linda's first race. She was a new runner. She shared that her husband had run this race last year, but she wanted to beat his time of 43 minutes. I noticed we were about 40 minutes in, but we were close to the finish line. I told her that I thought she could do it, but she was going to have to push. As we turned a corner, we could see the finish line. As Ralph and I cheered her on, the three of us crossed the finish line together in 42-32. She accomplished her goal. Nate, my 91-year-old friend, had already finished with a time of 41-47. Once again, one of my slowest races, but one of my happiest finishes. It was the first time I smiled as I crossed the finish line. This really made me think about my purpose and why I run. The Donna was one week away. Was I ready? Physically, yes. I had followed my training to the letter. Mentally, I felt better, but not fully confident. Although I was running with my Charge Run Club, I had made a commitment to always wear a Run for God shirt when, when I race. So on top of my race fears, I was worried about being the only one in a Run for God shirt and how my fellow Chargers would take it. I remembered that a friend had written a Bible verse on his calves when he ran a Spartan race. What verse represents my purpose? I found that the verse I needed, Acts twenty twenty four. if only I may finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. There it was, my purpose. I wanted to finish the race while testifying about the grace of God. When the Donna week arrived, I had only planned to run the half on Sunday. But then a virtual friend, Susan, asked if anyone would walk the 5K with her on Saturday. Susan was an eight-year breast cancer survivor who completed her first 5K in January of 2019 using a walker. I could walk with her. So I registered for the 5K with Susan and three others. Susan set the pace and we enjoyed the walk. It took us so long that they disconnected the timer two minutes before we crossed the finish line. The Donna featured a special list of breast cancer survivors who completed the race. But because of the timer was disconnected when we finished, Susan was not on the list. My daughter had taken a picture of the four of us crossing the finish line. You could see the clock in the picture. We emailed the race coordinator explaining that Susan is a survivor and provided the picture as proof for her finish. She was added to the finishing survivors list. I'll never forget crossing that finish line, the four of us holding hands and celebrating together. The half marathon was the next morning. This was the race I'd been preparing for. On my left calf, I wrote, what is your why? On my right calf I wrote Acts 2024. 20, On my left arm, as a reminder to myself, I wrote, What is your why? Acts 2024. 20, On my right arm I wrote, God has a plan. Trust him. I wanted to remind myself that even if I have to walk five miles, God will use those miles the race started at 7:30 a.m. so our virtual turned physical group met at 7 a.m. for pictures as we were all getting ready to line up for the start of the race i looked down at my shirt and my arms and thought how am i demonstrating what it means to run for god normally before a race all the run for god runners gather together to pray but i was the only run for god runner at the donna an internal war started i don't know about you but i struggle praying aloud in groups it terrifies me but i had made a commitment to successfully complete this race and i knew that success meant to run for god so i announced to the group that i was going to pray before the race started if anyone wanted to join me three people joined me and i prayed scared and shaken the whole time but i prayed Despite my chief goal, I still had a time goal for the race. I really wanted to finish in three hours. I finished in two hours and 52 minutes, and I finished smiling. I'm still doing my 12 and 12, but I have two other goals. I'm going to run Shades of Death again this year. I want to finish joyfully, no matter if I have to run alone or how long it takes me, and I'm going back to Jacksonville next year, this time to run my first full marathon. I found it's really important to know your purpose. It's okay to have a time or distance goal or any other physical goals, but if my only purpose is to finish a race in a certain time, what happens when I don't do it? We have to find our purpose and then run the race with that purpose in mind. Don't be distracted by what's happening around you. Instead, influence the world around you. I have heard it said over and over, smile. People are watching. You don't want them to wonder why you run because it looks like you're miserable. But until recently, I could never smile. It was always a grimace. Once again, we're going to take another break. We'll come back to to Tracy's story. It's getting interesting. Um, uh, What a great journey she has had. Uh, But We want you to become a run-for-God coach. It is something that is so easy to do. And if you don't think you're a Bible scholar or you're afraid to get up in front of people, we've made it easy for you, haven't we, Mitchell? Mm Mm-hmm, sure have. Absolutely. So become a run-for-God instructor or coach today. If you've ever participated in any sport, you've probably met a great coach. Great coaches inspire us to do more than we
2: ever thought possible. You can be the leader that helps others achieve things they never thought possible. You, yes, you have the ability and the opportunity to be that person. All you need is a heart to help people and the ability to follow a plan. The Run for God 5K Challenge will come ready to help you inspire those around you. The step-by-step guide will direct you how to plan, pray, and train people both physically and spiritually. You can help them become more fit in their health and in their walk with Christ. Share your passion. Go to runforgod.com to find out how to inspire others to accomplish big things.
1: All right, so we are back. So, Lane, tell me, uh, when you get ready for these races, these, these races are high stakes, right? There is yes. a, a just this coming weekend, well, by the time people hear this, it will already have happened. Yeah. Um, there's there's a spot for world championships on the line, right?
0: Yes, in the next there couple is. of
1: weeks. So um, what do you do to prepare on race day? A lot. on, on race day,
0: you know we try to make it as easy. And as convenient as possible to be ready on race day you know the day before the days before um, we're getting we're making sure everything is perfect the bike is set up and everything and so race day morning we all we have to do is eat breakfast go to the race site set up and we're good so race day morning there are a few things I have to do breakfast is obviously so do you eat the same important. breakfast every
1: before every race? Yes. Okay. I
0: have tried a different ones over the years,
1: but I have a breakfast that I eat every time. And um, do you time that breakfast for a certain time period before your race? or? Yes, I do kind of. Not like very specific. I usually
0: just eat when I wake up. Okay. But I wake up the same time uh, before every race. Okay. So, but yeah um even in the hotel room you know in the hour i i'm kind of different some of my some of those friends that we talked about that also race you know at the top level i've been in hotels with them um and they'll wake up 20 25 minutes before they leave the hotel and i'm not like that i have to have i have to feel so comfortable with the amount of time i have yeah sometimes i'll wake up an hour and 15 minutes before i leave the hotel and i mean i'm that's not a problem for me though because i'm willing to lose 30 minutes of sleep to feel more comfortable race day morning absolutely um Mm. because i mean as we know it's two nights before the race that the sleep really matters you know some of these elite races i'm so lucky because elite races they're not super early they do give you the luxury of not being super early but some some age group races and stuff I mean, some of these races start at six in the morning, and so if you really want to, if you're really trying to compete, and you're one of those people who need time, you know, you gotta wake up at three thirty or four,
1: and so. But yeah, there's a lot of. So at this point in time, your your race takes about an hour, right? So how long does your warm up take?
0: My warm up in a triathlon specifically takes from the time I start doing. My drills And dynamic warm ups um, It takes around An hour and a half An hour and 45 Mm -hmm. minutes
1: I think that would surprise A lot of the people Listening to this Yeah To know that you Warm up longer Than it takes to run the race
0: Oh yeah Because you're I mean you're warming up For three individual sports Right And I mean you look At track athletes Track alone athletes And they're warming up For an hour and a half And so in reality I mean it's not Super long Per Per discipline I also, there's also the time in that warm up though, where you got to time everything right because you also have to go put your stuff in transition
1: yep. uh, before the race, and so. So you got to plan all this stuff out. Yes. you you got to know what you're going to do when you're going to do it. Yeah. yeah, 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 definitely. What about what's going through your head while you're doing all of this?
0: Well, race morning, I try to make my head as clear as possible because, you know, obviously these races being as big as they are and only having well this year I'm only going to have two if I don't go to Worlds so hopefully I'll have three but um, <laughs> you know usually in a normal season there's seven races seven races in 365 days so there's seven days out of those 365 days where everything has to go perfectly and so that's I mean that's kind of stressful Yeah. and so I'm just trying to make my head as clear as possible you know the days before the race I'm thinking about the race I'm thinking about what I can do to make the race go perfect but the day of the race i'm not i'm not thinking too much about the race itself i'm thinking of it as a uh as kind of like a a uh, workout i mean the days before i'm thinking of it as a race because i'm trying to make sure everything is perfect and right and everything's going to go as planned but the day of the race you have to think of it as a workout because yep. you know we always talk about um doing your best and obviously though you want to win but you have to make it a workout in that there's a process to it and you always have to pay attention to the process for that race to go perfect you can't rely on someone else even if you're trying to beat them you're trying to beat everyone else but you have your own process
1: yeah yeah so So, mitchell what's your role on race day i know you go to every one of these races and so what's what's your role on race day
2: yeah i think i think my role has changed through the years, I mean, obviously there was a whole learning curve when Lane was young, um, and you're there's a lot of a lot of back and forth on race day when when he was little about have you thought of this, have you thought of this, have you thought of this, and and now it usually a couple days before the race I'll ask Lane, you know, what is it you want me to do, um, because Lane's at the point now where he has just like he said he has his process, and I'm only there to facilitate. If he Mm -hmm. needs anything. And I guess my biggest concern is trying to to help him reduce the stress. And a lot of that is the days before. You know, when we do, when we put races on, I always make the comment, on race day, I want to have nothing to do. Mm -hmm. You know, as kind of, as as the run for God guy, I want to have nothing to do on race day. And what that means is, I want everything to be planned and done before race day. And it's really the same way with Lane's races. My My goal as his dad and his coach is have you thought about everything in the days leading in? You know, I I, I get a little bit frustrated when we go to some of these races and I will see parents just flipping out on their kids and have you done this and this and this and there's nothing you can say on race day. There is absolutely nothing you can say to an athlete on race day that is going to make their race better. The only thing you can do is get in their head add stress and make their race mm-hmm. worse and i've i've had to learn that through the years i think lane would probably say early on dad you, you you stressed me out some but i've learned through the years how that process works and how an athlete's brain works on race day and it's they're trying to tune everything out and all we can do is plug stuff in
1: yeah and a lot of times it's how you phrase some things even i'm sure you've probably learned that 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 maybe you've noticed you've been watching him warm up, and maybe he hasn't gotten a particular thing done. And I know it's this way for me as a coach. I see somebody that hasn't done something. Well, on race day is not the day to go. Have you done this? It's, right. Have you have, have you already done what? What you know? What that thing that you need to do? You know, yeah. just in a, a almost like conversational because it's less stress to right. do that. Yeah. yeah. So, Lane, we we normally share a motivational thought of the week, but maybe there's something that motivates you that you'd like to share um, can you give everybody your favorite way to be motivated or a quote or a a story or something
0: yeah so being a, being an athlete you know we talked about you know working through workouts getting through workouts and there's actually there's a guy and he uh he was in the military and then he was a bodybuilder he was a weightlifter and then he ran, and then he, and then he does Iron Man's. He also owns a business, very su- su- successful guy. Um, and his kind of his kind of motto or quote is "Go one more." Like that's yeah. his quote, and that is so. That's so um, applicable to life, especially workouts. I mean, those workouts mm-hmm. that I was talking about. It's all about just going one more. Because if you think about if you're doing uh, if you're doing a five k some of those first time 5Kers if you're thinking about how hard the last half mile is going to be then you may never get there Mm -hmm. you always have to think about the mile that you're in Mm -hmm. um, which is also a book by Ryan Ryan Hall Hall, which is really (laughs) good (laughs) Um, but that quote go one more is probably one of my favorite quotes and it's very applicable to life in general
1: i like that uh, to go one more can can be one more mile it can be one more minute it can be one more gear it can yeah. be one more of almost anything can it because yeah. that's what and you you've heard me say it before there's always a little bit more in that tank mm-hmm. and so if you can ever find that little bit more um then that's that's important and you know it's funny because as a coach now when i'm doing a workout and when i'm trying to run a race that runs through my head too. I, I, that you know, I think. I think. Well, I I've told these folks, you got more in the tank. So it's like, well, then if you say it, then you believe it. You better find it. Right. Yeah, because and I it mean, makes me dig deeper.
0: Because I mean, let's just say you're a first time half marathoner, mm-hmm. and you're at mile four, and you're thinking five miles ahead, and you don't, you do not think you can do. it. You don't think you can get through the whole thing. Yeah. Well, what if we told you you only had to go five miles? could you go that extra mile you probably could probably could and then if once you got there what if we're like i'll just go six you probably could and so you always need to focus on just going one
1: more the next step on in, in the process absolutely that's a good thought well time to finish our story here we go during the donna there was an app where people could track your progress and i knew a few people were tracking me But when I found out that the tracking wasn't working, I decided to go live on Facebook during the race to let my family and friends know how it was going. I went live at mile seven because I was just past the halfway point. I did it again at mile 10 because I was into double digits and only had a 5K left. Two days after the race, I got a message from a fellow charger who had also run the half. She wrote, Just want you to know that your live video inspired me to do another half. At mile seven, you were so happy and excited. At mile seven, I was miserable. You showed me that all we do depends on our mindset. Thank you. Are you kidding me? I probably hold the record for the highest number of times to quit the Run for God program. Even knowing God used my delay to share the story of God with an unbeliever, I had still felt like a failure. I looked like I was dying every run before that and couldn't figure out how to smile while running. But when I stopped the excuses and feeling sorry for myself and I figured out my purpose, it showed. Somehow, I became an inspiration to others. And when I needed inspiration... The Lord delivered. This last race was run through a lot of neighborhoods, and a lot of the people were outside their homes cheering us on. Around mile 12, I started to struggle a little. I'd been running almost two and a half hours at that point, and I was feeling it. Most people were wearing Donna race shirts or lots of pink since it was breast cancer race, but I was wearing a Run for God shirt. All of a sudden, I heard someone holler, Run for God, you got this! I looked up to see a woman smiling at me from the side of the road. I picked up my pace and ran to the end. I don't know what I would have what would have happened if she hadn't been there, but I didn't have to find out. God was there with me, reminding me of my purpose through a voice in the crowd. Be an inspiration and you will be inspired. Hmm. What a great story. That's
2: a from- uh, yeah, Tracy, if you're listening, that was just an incredible story and, and i've got a few thoughts that i kind of jotted down here number one that that shades of death that race that she was talking about i think those those races should be outlawed and <laughs> what i mean by that is she talked about the multiple loops yeah you know, I, I did the augusta half iron man one time and the augusta half iron man it is a six loop oh, half marathon brutal. at the end and the reason that's so bad is because you pass the finish line five times, and you see all those other people that are faster than you going into the finish line shoot, and it's demoralizing when you have to run past the finish line shoot to go out for another lap. I think the I think about the Nashville Marathon. You know, it's they start you with all the half marathoners, and you pass the finish line to go out for a second loop, and all the halves are finishing, and it's yeah. Uh, so I personally think, Tracy, that those those <laughs> those races should be outlawed (laughs) for that reason um but her story reminds me of what we talk about a lot and and this is not taking anything from other race directors in the country because uh, most races have a different mo than we have but one thing we do at a run for god race is nothing comes down and in fact the crowd is the largest for that last finisher lane can attest that for every year that we've done a Run for God race, we, we put on a half marathon, and we always send out our younger athletes to go back to that last runner and run with them. In. And And we talk about this. You yeah. you're, Dean, you're an elite runner, but you take your hat off for that person and mm-hmm. who finishes last because if you really think about it, you could win the race, and you would say that that person that finished last worked harder than you did. Yep. I mean, they're out there for three and four hours for a half marathon. That is an incredible amount of mental fortitude. It doesn't matter if you're crying and walking in the last five miles like Tracy. You did something that a lot of people say couldn't be done. You did something probably that you said couldn't be done. And it's for that reason that, that we, we don't touch anything until, until that last runner comes in. Um, the 91-year-old really stuck out to me. You yeah. know, he started running when he was 74 years old, and that's just a testament that it's never too late to start this sport. Absolutely. That's the beauty of this sport. Yes. Um, so if you're out there listening to this and you're 65, and we hear it all the time, I'm too old to do that. No, you're not. Lane, are you still going to be running when you're 75
1: years old?
0: Yes, probably.
1: Well, okay. Probably. I was just <laughs> <Yes>. checking.
2: <laughs> uh, and then she talked about in this last race how it made such a difference because and, and she didn't say this is why it made a difference but I think it is the reason she it made a difference was is she was encouraging other people and I always say there's no better way to receive than to give Yeah. Uh, and when you turn that focus that's why I say if you ever teach a Run for God 5K challenge it's going to change you just as much as it's going to change the people in the class because you learn to give yep. you learn to give your knowledge and your expertise and your time and there's you get so much in return from that so that's yeah, I mean, that's just a, a great testament. And then she said, know your purpose. Well, what's the very first question that we ask in a, in a 5K challenge class? Why are you here? Why are you here? Because if you don't know your why, it doesn't matter if you know how. Right. Um, you have to have a why. Whether it's, you know, Dave Ramsey talks about this a lot. You have to know your why. Why are you getting out of debt? Because then we can, we can deal with the how. But until mm-hmm. you have that why of why you're doing anything, the how is irrelevant. Yep. So, I mean, hats off, Tracy. That was a great story. It, it was uh, – yeah, I, I learned a lot from it.
1: Yeah, and we talk about it all the time. Almost everybody who is a runner, uh, almost everybody in, in one way or another is an inspiration of someone else. Mm-hmm. And I, I see it all the time. I see people who denigrate themselves and talk themselves down because they're not fast or they're not this or they're not that, uh, but they're an inspiration to somebody. Um, I never forget the the story that I love to read. It's it's called "Hey, Out of Shape Girl," and it's about <laughs> a girl who's running on the outside edge of the track who's clearly embarrassed by being there. And it's from a, a more elite runner's standpoint. And and the gist of the thing is is I admire you. For mm-hmm. doing what you're doing, it's hard to do what you're doing. Just like you said, yeah. Um, so just realize that when you're out there and when you're doing these things, when you're running, when you're posting things online about your runs, when you're sharing both the highlights and the lowlights of these things, it's an in, it's inspiring to people. Mm-hmm. So keep doing that. Um, it's not about trying to be an inspiration. But it it is about, and I think you hit the nail on the head. It's when you're trying to give and when you're trying to share in the hopes that it, it will edify somebody. It usually will, right? And we can we can all
2: see the difference. We can all see the difference. You see the the Facebook post where they just want to tell everybody how good they are, at whatever it is. And then we see the you you can see the difference when it's somebody who's you can kind of read their struggle behind what they're posting and. And, yeah, those are inspiring. And you're inspiring people all the way up to elite runners mm-hmm. um, because it's it's not all about the times. It's about the why.
1: Yeah, yeah. So she talks about having quit the Run for God program. Have you guys ever quit anything? Do you remember anything that you quit?
2: I quit, quit smoking. Yeah. Does that count? Uh, <laughs> I, I think it does. <laughs> that was a good thing. It, it was. Um, I've had to pull out of some races – before I shouldn't say had to, um, there was an ha- there was a half Ironman that I was signed up for one time, the Chattanooga half Ironman that I pulled out of it for a variety of reasons, and none of them were good ones. And I look back now, and I still kick myself for doing that because I'd never done that before. Yeah, and you know it was all the excuses, the time, I'm not in shape like I should be, and that's what I, I really struggle with professional elite athletes and, and I hope I'm not stepping on any toes here but and I understand why they do it but when you see the the top elite athletes and the race isn't going the way they want it and they'll pull out yeah. now I understand that that is their life and they've got to save the body for another race and, and I get that but um, there have also been very elite athletes. I'm trying to think of who was it at Ironman, the World Championships. He was one of the best, Jan Ferdino. Jan Ferdino. He was having a horrible race, but he said, "I'm not, I'm not quitting because there's thousands of people behind me who look up to me." Yep. And he could have walked off that race course, and and everybody would have said, "Yeah, you yeah. save yourself for another day." But he didn't, and that is so inspiring to see people who. Who face a, a mountain of adversity, and they just plow right through it, probably to his detriment. Yeah. You know he, that he is one of the world's best Ironman yeah. athletes, um, but he was thinking about all those people like Tracy behind him, yeah. and what what was that going to say to them? Yeah. So
1: yeah, of course, there's times where we're quitting something is good. Yeah. Uh, we mentioned your smoking. Yeah. I I mentioned earlier baseball. You know, I quit baseball at one time because I made a conscious decision and choice to go in in the running direction. I'm so glad I did. The chances of me having been a professional baseball player were really, really slim since I couldn't hit a curveball very well. Yeah. <laughs> um, but but that's you know the, it's, it's giving giving up some things and quitting some things is good. Um, but it's really inspiring to see somebody who quits something, regrets it, and comes back and finishes mm-hmm. it. Um, it's great to see, just like you said, that person who struggles and finishes anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been in those races where, oh my goodness, the last Boston Marathon I ran was the slowest marathon I've ever run in my life, other than the marathon I ran at the end of a, tri- a, a, a Ironman triathlon, and it wasn't much slower mm-hmm. than Ironman <laughs> triathlon marathon, uh, or much faster rather. So uh, yeah. Uh, it, it's it's tough to finish those things. Well, talk about finishing. Let's let's finish with this. Let's finish with, you know, Lane. You've risen to the top of the triathlon world with through a lot of hard work. Um, tell everybody out there, just kind of like Dean Karnazes says, how they can be the best animal they can be. How can they be the best version of themselves? What advice can you give people?
0: The best version of yourself. Well, number one is is consistency you have to be consistent and that kind of goes along with the go one more attitude going one more staying consistent with what you're doing and finding a process for you finding a process that works for you Um, and one big thing is if you do the process 10 out of 365 days that's not consistency that's not going one more so you need to find a process that works test um, whether it's losing weight, whether it's trying to improve your 5K time, anything in life, um, you find, you experiment and find what works, and you've tested the process, and now you use the process and go one more with the process.
1: 365 so, um, days. 365 a year. days. I like that. 365. I like mm-hmm. it. Talking about motivation and being the best you can be. Um, if you want to connect with others who have a similar interest to yours, um, at least as far as running and walking goes, and you're listening to this this podcast and you're not a part of Run Club, we want you to be a part of Run Club. So uh, Run Club carries with it a whole host of, of information, of live sessions with a coach of access to a coach to training plans to this podcast and YouTube videos and just there's a ton of stuff out there that you get for being part of Run Club. Maybe the most valuable thing that you get out of Run Club is knowing that when you become part of Run Club you're contributing to the Run for God ministry which is reaching people for Christ and making a difference in, in the lives of people um, by way of bringing them um to, to the altar where they can accept jesus christ as their lord and savior there's nothing more important um and that's our number one mission and when you support the run for god ministry through being part of run club you support just that and it is only it's less than ten dollars a month we throw away ten dollars a month so fast and so easily um and this is well worth it and it will uh it can change your life uh, so go to runforgod.com, find out some more about that. Um, we hope that you've enjoyed this podcast as, as you do most. Um, if it's your first time, thank you for tuning in. Again, go t- and give us a five star review. You know that helps us give us feedback. Let us know what we can do. Um, subscribe to our YouTube channel so you can get and get notifications so that you can do that. Obviously subscribe to the podcast. so you don't miss an episode. These are all good, um, even if they do have me on them. Uh, (laughs) So, listen, may God bless every step of every run. Now go out there and shine your light. Good job, Dan.
0: For more information about the Run for God ministry, go to runforgod.com. If you have questions about your salvation, click on the Peace with God tab. There's nothing more important. Thanks for joining us today.